Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Joined here today by Cody and Ben. This is Nick. We're here today to share some parting thoughts on Clemson's spring game. We're going to look ahead at the 2016 to 2020 out-of-conference schedule that was just released today, actually. And uh, we'll also be previewing the NFL draft taking place a week from tonight, April 30th. We may as well touch on Clemson's baseball season, if you want to call it a season. Uh, but first thing, you know, I think coming out of last week, you may have heard we had a good bit of optimism. Uh, the way Cody put it in our release on our, our site, uh, ClemsonPodcast.com, uh, that, you know, judging by the, the out, output of our podcast, you might think Clemson's guaranteed a national championship this season. Um, certainly, there's cause for optimism with some development of some of the position groups, some of our returning guys looking really strong. Uh, but I think today, you know, let's maybe take off our rosy tinted glasses um, and guys, you know, doing that and looking ahead. Um, I see a world where we could easily be waking up on Thanksgiving Sunday, finding ourselves eight and four. Uh, so real quick, I'd, I'd just like to know, you know, let's say that that becomes a reality, you know, we're eight and four. How do you think we got there? What do you think went wrong? You know, looking ahead at what we've got talent wise coming back at our schedule. Um, you know, is it a possibility that we're eight and four? And, and why might we get there? And before we talk about that, let's take the caveat, like, you know, assume we're not just going to be decimated by injuries. Um, Deshaun Watson comes back and, you know, plays, you know, factoring that in. How do you think we get to 8-4? and 8-4, and four, frankly, is, here's the bright side of it. If we go 8-4, and four, that's almost like worst case scenario. That's our floor, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's our floor, which is... Again, we're trying to find it's some very, here. It's a very it's Bowden-esque floor, though, I would say. Yeah, it's not where we want to be, for sure. Absolutely not, not with this talent. So, assuming that is a nightmare scenario. Okay, so yeah, let me let me dive into the, the question at hand. If we're 8-4, and four, it's going to be because... It's, it's going to be because we can't get a pass rush. That's going to be, I think, in my opinion, the, the, the biggest thing. So you're putting this on the defense. Yeah. I... Yeah, because I, I even though the running backs, which we'll talk about in a bit, aren't don't don't blow me out of the water by any means. Going to the defense, I think, I think, yeah, we're we have a great system, we have a great defensive coordinator. We're replacing a lot of guys. I'm worried. I think it starts at the defensive line, where we were so dominant last year that we covered up other deficiencies. And I'm not, I don't necessarily think we were too deficient at linebacker. I think at the secondary, we were we had a lot of talent, but I think we. They, the development of guys like Mac Alexander, Jaron Curse, um, we're a little bit more masked because of uh, how good our defensive line was. Well, this year it's not going to be the case. Yeah. So Shaq Lawson is really the only guy that stands out to me as a pro type player at this point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if he doesn't perform, then uh, so right, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna expose our secondary. That's still you know get bringing in new players and our linebackers who are going to be bringing in new players. So they double-team Shaq Lawson. We don't get the production out of Ebo, some of the other guys. Obviously, Ebo's further down the depth chart. But um, And you're saying, you know, by virtue of us not really pressuring their passers, do you feel like these ACC quarterbacks and, you know, the Notre Dames and South Carolina, these teams will be facing, um, do you think they're apt to beat us maybe more downfield? Or do you think more with, you know, shorter, shorter possession passes? That's a good question. I think it's more... Short possession passes and probably just along the line of scrimmage with the run game more so. Um, I think we underrated Brady Jarrett a lot. We devalued him a lot. Not not us necessarily as Clemson fans, but even a little bit. Um, clearly, prof- from the professional ranks, they're they're devaluing him. 
Um, he blew up, like he would blow up two guys. He would get off with his guy. He was so quick laterally, people don't don't even think about that. And he would get to the next guy, and he would tackle. He would you know get off the hole and and, and make tackles. And we're just not going to have quite that level of a uh, play this year, and that that's going to leave everything else a little bit more open. And I don't think I think it's going to be put more stress on the linebackers, more stress on the secondary, and obviously the defensive ends are going to be looked to. And We'll see. We don't know who's really going to be that guy opposite Shaq Lawson. Yeah, he was he was very disruptive for sure, and it's one of those things that goes unnoticed because it's it's not a stat. You know, Vic Beasley is getting the sacks. Other people are getting the sacks, but he's he is blowing up the offensive line last year, and you really start to notice that as the season goes along, and the more you know, more Clemson insider people start talking about him, then you start to notice him. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be greatly missed. Yeah, I mean, how many people sat there watching, you know, watching the defense and just staring at Grady Jarrett, Grady yeah. Jarrett right there in the, as a defensive tackle? You were looking at Vic Beasley. Exactly, and it's it's the same way when we're on the offensive side of the ball. You're not staring at the offensive line the whole time. You may go back and look at that later, but with all the playmakers we have, that's where your eyes are trained to look. You're looking at where the ball is and where the ball's going, and not a lot of times your eyes are trained to actually study the offensive line. So I think it's the same on the other side of the ball. Well, yeah. certainly, you know, we're, we're definitely very optimistic about what we have on offense. If this defense maybe can't develop a pass rush, maybe can't kind of prevent the um, opponent from moving the sticks, we won't, we won't have Deshaun Watson out there to run 90 plays or to develop, you know, all the talent that we do have if their time of possession is, is limited. So certainly I think defense, you know, we, we touched on some of the concerns last week. You know, I think is probably one of the leading causes. What we mentioned, like the eight and four scenario, that's the nightmare scenario. But we didn't talk about how likely we are to think that will actually happen. Which is well, first thing I would say is who are those four losses? I would say uh, Louisville, Notre Dame, Florida State, Florida State, and you want to say South Carolina, but you're thinking it. I'm not. You know. You know what? Honestly, I'm not thinking South Carolina. I don't think they're in a good place right now. I know it's at South Carolina. But just with the amount of talent we have compared to theirs, I'm not really worried about that. I would say Georgia Tech, they're always a thorn in our heel. Or at Miami, maybe. Um, or at NC State. I mean, they're uh, not they, – they, they get to you. Those, those are the teams. Those are the typical ones. Now, this, this isn't our season preview. You're not digging into these matchups yet. I just feel like, yeah, it's natural if you want to talk yeah. about four losses. Where is that going to happen? Um, I'll use the verb. This will be one of the very few times we'll use it. Do we see a Clemsoning on the schedule? You mean winning Orange Bowls and yeah. it is the new Clemsoning. Do we see a Tommy <laughs> Bowden era Clemsoning? Yeah. Whereas we are over talented, you know, have much more talent. Maybe sleep on an opponent, or they just get our goat that one day. No, uh, we haven't seen that in a while, so I don't expect that anymore. Would yeah. you consider a loss to NC State to qualify? Yes. Absolutely. There, we there we have no business really right now with the talent we have and the what we've done in recent years, losing to them. We right. just don't. There's only a handful of teams on the schedule that it's actually, when you look back on it, acceptable to lose to. I would say the worst thing that's happened to us in losses to those such teams in the past few years is the way we've lost. And that's really the only bad part about sure. it. Sure. So I think um, I also want to flip this on its head a bit. This is, again, all hypothetical. Um, for us to lose four games, let's let's talk about a scenario where the offense lets us down. Um, how do we see that happening? Again, try to take injury out of it. 
Yeah, I would I would say if the offensive line doesn't gel like we expect them to and isn't the uh, deep, the strong group that we're hearing from the coaches that they think this will be the best one they've seen since they've been there, uh, I think that'll be an issue. And then we'll really see, you know, I'm optimistic about the running backs. I think that with uh, an improved offensive line and a better offensive line, that the running backs, I mean, naturally are going to be better. Opening up holes, the guys are going to have places to run. But experience. I, yeah, yeah. And they have experience. Now, the only downside to that is, is we saw guys in limited action. They've been injury prone. We've only gotten small snippets uh, of playing time and seeing what they can do. Well, there hasn't really been one guy emerge. We're talking about multiple, you know, again, great. We have, we're deep. But I mean, are we deep and are, I, we, are we, do we have a lot of good guys, but no one great? Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of mediocrity, right. in, my, in my opinion. I agree with you, Ben, on the offensive line. That, that, I mean, obviously, any offensive line that's shaky is that's a cause for concern. But um, and it's it's you know it's what who's protecting Deshaun Watson. If that breaks down, yeah, we're done. Yeah. But I think we're, we can be okay, especially with the hurry up no huddle offense. It's going to mitigate some of that weak play, or you know maybe the fact that we might just be average on offensive line, but it'll be mitigated by that. Looking at running backs, though, I, I just don't think we're that good there. And that's, when I say not that good, I think we're, we're maybe slightly above average, which for Clemson, I don't think that's good enough. Well, I guess, who haven't you been impressed by? I mean, what we saw out of uh, Gallman last year coming on at the end of the year, uh, you know, I was really impressed by that. I think he was, I mean, he was okay. He was good. He was as good as a Clemson running back should be. Yeah, exactly. And we have Can he him. maintain that, though? And, like, in, let's, Oklahoma didn't, like, I don't know if they were even... They were probably getting drunk the night before the game and partying. And then USC, their <laughs> offense was abysmal. Or, I'm sorry, defense. their defense was abysmal all year. So, yeah, that's who Gallman showed out against. Granted, he, his, his vision looked better as running back. It looked like he was progressing. His cuts right. looked a lot better. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not declaring him, I don't know, like James Davis by any means. Well, no, but just, you know, I like the way some of these guys looked, uh, the way they hit people. They ran with their head down. Uh, I liked, you know, limited action. Adam Troy Scott, I liked the way he, he looked. Um, and C.J. Davidson, you know, he's a guy that has quickness and speed. He's been with the program now for a couple years. He's a senior, and he looked good in the spring game. And so I, I'm still... I think again, if you're relying on C.J. Davidson as, like, your, as your reason for well, just hope, a, then I think that's a bad thing. Well, it's just a different element, a uh, different element of the running game. Listen... You can take any mediocre stable of running backs, and if you have a great offensive line to open holes, you know the the vision. They'll get you the four exactly, five yards. The need. vision they need okay. decreases, and they're going to have the quickness and speed. And if the holes open, you, you got yards right there. I don't think we lose four games or any one of those four due strictly to our running game. No, like running backs kind now, of like a, a balance is crucial. So, but that is you know where we do have optimism with the ability to keep. Um, defense is, you know, leery of the run, um, both from the running back position. Um, getting that going with play action opens things up, but definitely Deshaun Watson's, you know, fleetedness of foot um, is going to be really important. So and, um, it, it, it'll be a reason why we maybe move that eight wins up, I definitely feel like. I don't necessarily see it as a big liability for us. I would say for a position as a whole, just the quarterback position, consistency out of it. I'm not going to say just Deshaun Watson or whoever's and I'm not going to bring injury into it. I'm going to say as a whole, 
consistency from the quarterback position, which we did not get last year. You could even say with Taj Boyd when he was at his his peak. Sure. He never against high level competition. Never even got. He never really got high level of consistency. Sure. So, yeah. Three great. possessions in a row where we would score touchdowns. Yeah. Generally, it was you know fits and spurts um, of you know effectiveness or get Sammy the ball, watch him go make a play, etc. Um, that's true. He did have that offense though, pumping out plays. Like our our amount of plays we ran a game under with him as our quarterback was still pretty high, and we had to drop off. Yeah. From that last year, and if it's still even with Chad Morris gone, if it's still our mindset and philosophy that we want to be in a fast-paced, up-tempo offense, again, we need to bring that back. We need to have a quarterback that can manage the team and do that. So I think I think that's what we're looking at. For me, a third factor that you know could lead to our demise, etc. I think is just conditioning and you know just preparedness for the season and our opponents. Um, so we saw in the Georgia game last year again, super hot day, first game of the year, you know, unclear on off-season conditioning for a lot of our guys, but that turned into a major uh, red flag um, and eventually cost us that game. Um, so our ability to adjust, you know, we do, if you look at our, the course of our season, we don't have that first three-week, you know, major um, matchup. However, it quickly gets into a tough bit of the schedule, then we dip a little bit, then we get back into the Florida States and end the season with South Carolina and hopefully an ACC championship. How, how is our preparedness? Are our guys going to be able to, you know, maintain high level of play? I think, you know, underlies all this stuff. And I, I think one more thing, you know, we talk about offensive defense, but another thing that gets overlooked is how is our special teams going to do this year? Uh, from a point of the kicking game, which we have big worries about from what we saw in the spring game on kickoffs, uh, who's going to come in and be our punter and replace Bradley Pinion? And then is Ammon Lackett going to be able to hit field goals with a consistency? Is he going to be able to step and take that, that step into the next level that we saw Catman make after his first year where he was a little bit shaky starting off? So we've seen uh, bad special teams cripple a Clemson football season. So I, I think that's another factor. Yeah, it's, I hate talking about special teams because it's kind of like talking about free throw shooting in basketball. It's like we know how big of a factor it is, but it's just so, you know, it's... You either kind of figure it out or you, yeah. Yeah, you figure it out or you don't. You right. go 10 for 20 from the free throw line, though, and you lose by you lose by five. I mean, it's pretty good correlation there. Can we at least put to rest that Clemson being a decent soccer school should not directly translate into an effective kicking game? Ooh, I don't know. That's a good point, but I, I disagree. I think they should totally bring over a soccer player whenever you can't kick the ball out of the end zone during kickoffs, Right. Yeah, you just need somebody with, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a big leg. They can kick the ball straight. I mean, if you lined up every soccer player on the team and, and said, hey, can you kick right? this through the... This ball looks a little different, but just kick it. Yeah, yeah. just kick the, sh- the crap out of it. Can you kick it through the, the upright or the, uh, the, the end zone? I think, I think probably 70% of them could, right? At least for place kicking, I guess for, is my point. Place kicking, yeah. no. No, I would say no, but yeah. Feel, Certainly kickoffs. Kick and I think the propensity, even at Clemson the past few years, has been... Let's let's keep two kickers, you know, for for either task. Well, in place kicking, that's that's a mindset you have to have um, a good nerve. Like you have to be able to, to take those nervous and big moments and be calm and be able to make a kick. I mean, you can be the greatest practice kicker in the world. It's a lot different. It's kind of like it's between the ears as much as it is right. You know, 
physical talent. It's kind of like me and golf. You know, when I'm out there by myself, I can make <laughs> contact with the ball and hit it somewhat straight. When somebody's watching me, I hit it backwards. Yeah, so <clears throat> special teams, we hope you do well. You're right, Ben. Honestly, you're probably exactly right. These games, especially in the beginning, that'll probably be close. I bet we'll look to one or two and be like, wow, our special teams really stepped it up or they let us down, and that'll be the deciding factor in the game. But at this point, just like anybody else that's, I think, comes with man, we just don't want to think about Special teams will be the reason that let us uh, down. Sir, I, I would say in our return game, we do have athletes and playmakers catching the ball, several of whom do have experience there. So Absolutely. I think that's that's nice. We can count on that. Could offset um, some. Exactly. Yeah. Now, again, kind of the on-scoring plays and or field position transfer, to me, those are those are crucial. Um, and you always hear about Virginia Tech. They've kind of set the standard as under Frank Beamer, you know, special teams is really their strength, strong suit. I think that's trailed off in the last few years, but it's not something I would expect Clemson to recruit for. However, you know, could certainly be a liability. Well, and especially you've just said it with the field position battle, especially if you have an unknown uh, entity in your defense, you know, you want to put them in the best position possible so they're not having to defend a 50-yard field as opposed to an 80 if you get a kickoff out of the end zone. And the same thing with the offense is, you know, you want to be able to get down to the 30 and not feel like if you stall, you're going to have to punt it, you can hit a field goal from that range. Sure, exactly. Or find yeah. yourself going for it a lot on fourth. Um, exactly. Yeah, so anyway. you got to move on from special teams. <laughs> this is getting, I'm about to fall asleep. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, well, anyway, you know, we've seen what we've seen in the spring game. I think we know all we can know at this point from... You know, our veteran returning players. Uh, we've got several months still until the season starts, so we will get into this and more as we look ahead. Um, maybe transitioning and looking even further ahead, just today Clemson announced our out-of-conference schedule um, over the next basically uh, six football seasons between now and 2020. We know what that slate will look like, and they've even announced some dates, which is nice for you know travel planning and, and really understanding how the season is going to break when it comes to out-of-conference play. Um, so some notables I took away, certainly we all knew this year we're hosting Notre Dame for the first time since the Joe Montana years at Death Valley, should be a great one. Um, next year, we go to Auburn, and we host them uh, the year after that in 2017. So uh, renewing that sort of, I guess you could call it a rivalry with um, Auburn, uh, will be great. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, similarities in programs, mascots certainly, and university architects between our schools. So it uh, should, be, should be a pretty cool um, pickup to play Auburn. Then we kick it back again with Texas A&M. Uh, we head to uh, College Station in 2018, and then they come to Clemson in 2019. So uh, we'll see, obviously, plenty of time there. We'll go through a couple recruiting cycles, um, but we'll be inter interested to see you know, how that goes. And certainly I'm looking forward to potentially traveling to Texas again to, to watch Clemson play. should be great. Um, and lastly, 2020, we'll, we'll finally see Notre Dame again. This time we'll be headed up to South Bend, Indiana. Um, I definitely plan to be in the building that day. Uh, should, be, should be one for the books. So um, certainly we, we also announced outside of kind of the, the major conference teams some other matchups. We've got a few games against. Um, we kind of go, go throughout um, the southeast with, with a number of schools. Uh, but also we, we take on a couple of teams from where I'm from, northeast Ohio, um, in the, the Mac schools, Kent State and Akron. So it uh, should be interesting there. Both teams will be traveling to Clemson. 
LeBron is slated to appear in both of those games. I've I've been told via Twitter. That's interesting. He uh, I believe he has uh, all of his college eligibility left. Although he has gone pro in basketball, so that might be tricky. But the, with the NCAA, there's a loophole there. He's mm-hmm. like made over 100 million. He is good to go. He's what position to... do you think LeBron would play for the Akron Zips? Whatever position he wanted to, and he would be the best player fair. on the field, <laughs> right? Except coach. Except coach, probably. right? Yeah. No, he'd probably coach too, just yeah. much like he does the Cavs. That's true. Up three zero against the Celtics. Anyway, we're not here to talk about NBA. Um, so, what do you guys think about the schedule? Are you you excited? I for one was a little bit worried about this year not really having a solid um, kind of SEC, other than the Gamecocks, of course, uh, game to play early in the season based on what we've been accustomed to with Georgia um, and Auburn before that. So, what do you think? Well, for me, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the past several years, we've it seems like we started the season early on with a strong opponent. Yep. And we've seen that work to good success a couple years ago, not so much last year. So, it's interesting this year, especially since we're rebuilding, it's kind of nice to open up the season with a couple of easier games before we get into the meat of our schedule. And looking forward... You know, really with what we have scheduled through uh, at least 2019 by now, it's really only Auburn next year that we have a, a tough game to open up. So it's kind of a shift in philosophy, I think, after 2016, what we've seen in the, in the past few years. Um, I'm always excited to play Auburn. Um, I think they're, they're good games, and they're fun to watch. Texas A&M, it's good to get them back on the schedule. I think we last played them in the, in the early 2000s. Yep. So that'll be fun. And then, of More course... Like the mid, but yeah. It's been a, been a while, yeah. over 10 years at this point. So, and then, of course, you know, Notre Dame. Yeah, we don't have that big SEC game this year, but we do have Notre Dame, so that's going to be huge. Yep. Uh, them coming to Death Valley. And, you know, you know it's interesting that we had them on the schedule uh, to play them there in 2020. Well, let's see if they're not actually in the conference by that point. Sure. With the way the things are changing in the college football landscape. So... Yeah, those are some of the things I'm looking forward to. And then one, one other thing that I'll point out, too, is in recent years, we've seen a trend in the ACC of doing a little bit of the same things that the SEC is doing by scheduling a weak outer conference opponent before the last game of the season. Well, the ACC picked up on that, too, in the last couple of years. But looking at our future schedules, we don't necessarily have those teams in that position. So I know this year we trade that out for Wake Forest, so we can say to ourselves that it might as well be... Possibly Syracuse. Or Syracuse. It might as well be Kent State. Um, but that is interesting that we no don't have those... Golden Flashes fans. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is interesting that we don't have those games scheduled in that position that we have had the last couple of years, which you can argue whether or not that's actually worked to our advantage. Sure. Um, but I guess that remains it, to be seen. Well, and it seems like if D-Rad had any type of influence over you know, our scheduling and, and where we, throughout the course of the season, let's say, um, find games on the calendar, it seems like he may not have found the you know, season kickoff game necessarily to, to play into our favor. Had to help from a TV revenue standpoint. I think Clemson was on primetime games you know, several of these times. Um, but maybe from a you know, pacing of the team, of Dabo getting the team ready, etc., um, we might we might be seeing some of that play out with with where we you know tee up the next five years worth of games. Yeah, and I'm sure Dabo has a lot of say in that about when we want to schedule these teams. So he has a better feel in this program than anybody. So sure. I'm sure he has a, a large voice in actually lobbying for us to play these teams in what position? Um, absolutely, Cody. You know, 
we've we've played many of these teams before, um, more more maybe a bit more recently than others. Um, if you had to see us go, maybe add a different team from one of these conferences to to our schedule, let's say in the twenty twenty one through twenty five window, uh, it's a long time for now, but probably be here before we know it. Um, who do you think we should try to get in on the books? I think that's a great question. I think I always like. I think we're at a point now where we can go for the the top dogs, and and maybe they would or maybe they wouldn't schedule us. But like a team like USC, Southern Southern California would be a good one. Yeah. Um, and you, I think you want to go with a traditional power because that gives you the it eliminates the risk of them not being very good because you you know you want a good out of conference opponent. Um, another certainly in the the playoff era to bolster your resume and yeah. also get exposure for your program nationally. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. And honestly, if it were if it were next year, I would or even like this coming year, I would say Oregon. Cuz we our program has been eerily similar to theirs. They've achieved at a higher level, but we both play the hurry up no huddle offense. We, you know, there's a lot of, you know, different similarities there. I feel like Athletes there's throughout a lot, the lineup. What's yeah. that? Athletes throughout the lineup. Exactly. Yeah, like you're talking about skill players galore. Yeah. But you don't see a lot of the. I think we. Have, I think we're better in the trenches. Yeah. But I think that's been their shortcoming. So this that would be a good. That, yeah. That's that'd be a good slate to have. I guess my question for you on that one would be though, do we have a better chance at winning if our team travels to let's say Auburn or Georgia and plays in their stadium as opposed to we we have if we travel to Oregon? That's that's quite a trip for these guys that aren't really used to that. I, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, it's it's better to take a bus ride than a, a plane ride for, you know, if you're a six foot four. Well, doesn't that go the other way as well? I mean, there's all well, the stats here, here, on yeah. West Coast coming up. Well, it does, right. but I guess you want to mitigate uh, the the variance. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's true. Um, so this, I'm glad you brought these up. Um, certainly in college hoops, you play many more games. Um, we have the Big, Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, a lot of preseason tournament games, um, and a lot of that goes into play to you know get some early tough competition under your belt, as well as a lot of that is brought in, into consideration for the NCAA tournament. You know this is going to be kind of outside the box a bit, but should the NCAA and should the the top qualifying programs think about doing some type of a kind of a round robin situation where let's say Clemson, you know you finished top three in the ACC last year. Should we get matched up against the Pac-12's top three, and then you know kind of do a mishmash across the landscape of college football? You you know you'll get a lot more you know that way. I think that's how you deal with some of these conference sort of what happened in the SEC West last year, where they only played one another. You know, there's a lot of hype going on. If you have a lot of these early season matchups going on out of conference, I think you're going to be better able to calibrate um, conferences against one another for that playoff evaluation later. I understand. It's going to be tough to get a bunch of Pac-12 schools playing SEC, ACC schools. I don't think it's that tough. I think I think that's the yeah. illusion that that some people want to make it out to be. I I feel like it's traveling, flying in, in an airplane at this point. Even though Clemson players, for the most part, right, I don't know. I guess they probably ride a bus to Athens, Georgia, but they're flying to Blacksburg, Virginia. They're sure. definitely flying Syracuse. to Syracuse. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's we not saw a big deal. we saw UCLA and Virginia play each other. We're seeing Notre Dame play in Ireland. Yeah, exactly. this is happening. So, I mean, I think I think that's overblown. I yeah. think I think it's what the bigger issue there is the treatment that they're like professionals, and that's what NC, the NCAA would have a problem with. 
we can we can have three podcasts about that topic. Yeah, like, but we'll, we'll touch on it. Um, yeah. Back to your original point. The yeah. I mean, I think we're just reversing bowl season. Is I guess what I'm saying. Putting some matchups early in the season, pairing up you know conference finishers from the previous year, you know, in, in their respective slots. Start off the season with some of these games. See what happens. If the people that ha- really have the NCAA football's best interest at heart, they they would try to make this happen. They would make it take initiatives to have teams like Clemson and Oregon play each other, USC and Alabama play each other. Because you're right, you're reversing bowl season. You're getting a lot of, but I, they don't do it because they don't want to lose that early. But the yeah. nature of the college I think one network, loss at that point, you know, at that point when you have a lot of these games happening, one loss maybe doesn't kill your resume as much. Yeah, um, but it does help us understand which conferences actually are top to bottom more legitimate. Well, we're worried about the travel issue. It doesn't even have to be ACC <laughs> versus Pac-12. You know, it can be ACC versus the Big Ten, like you said, or the Pac-12 versus the Big Twelve. You know, teams that you know start, you're still in closer proximity to sure. each other. Yep. You know, just more than what's going on now. Absolutely. Um, just ask for a little innovation, guys. Yeah, with the, with the new playoff system, I think it would be warranted at this point. I mean, I'd like to see that. And, back, you know, closing this out, but in the SEC West is a great example of a very incestuous conference where, yeah, it, it would have been good for Ole Miss to go out and play uh, who was a good Oregon and sure. probably get, you know, blown out so sure. we can have some context for how good they really were. Indeed. Um, well, certainly, you know, look, that kind of covers off on the future a bit of, you know, where our schedule looks like um, should be great. Face off against you know additional SEC rivals. Uh, we'll see where the state of their conference is when we do match up against Auburn, Texas A&M. Um, we'll go from there. So next up, I guess just wanted to check in on the upcoming draft. A week from tonight uh, is the first round of the draft. Um, as far as projections go, I mean, um, actually taking a step back, a year ago we really saw a lot of Clemson offensive. Playmakers drafted. Um, certainly, Sammy Watkins was um, basically traded, traded up. Uh, the Buffalo Bills traded up to grab Sammy Watkins. Um, we saw a number of our receivers, um, even you know undrafted free agent Chandler Catanzaro. You know, a lot of activity from um, more like offensive and special team playmakers last year. This year, I think will be fewer players drafted, but a lot more focus on defense, um, which is a bit of a change for Clemson, but definitely a positive one. Um, so we kind of know the names that are coming up in the draft draft boards this year for Clemson. Um, you know, I think we, we do want to, as the draft comes up, we'll probably, you know, do a little bit more diligence on these players and the teams that drafted them, kind of where we see them playing a role and making an impact, as well as doing things like, you know, I think looking at comparable players from previous years, what does their ceiling and upside look like? Um, so maybe to start start off the discussion, though, with some of these guys, like Vic Beasley, he's the name this year for Clemson. Um, certainly has been lauded his entire career, um, and it eventually you know, saw that um, recognition from the likes of ESPN. Uh, right now, just to you know, stick with ESPN, Mel Kuyper has him ranked overall at number 16, potentially going to Houston, um, alongside Jadavian Clowney's cast. So in terms of sort of the value that Vic Beasley brings... Um, I think for me, you know, his instinct, his vision, and really his explosiveness, the ability to get after the passer, um, proved him to be incredibly valuable for Clemson. Um, his numbers, you know, speak for themselves with all kinds of school records. Um, but we've, we've read some concerns over maybe his physicality, 
certainly his size. Um, they'll be slotting him in it, sort of an outside linebacker, kind of edge rusher, DeMarcus Ware, if you want to think of a prototype position. Um, so, guys, do you feel like Vic Beasley, you know, again, rosy tinted glasses off, then, um, do you, you know, what type of impact from a ceiling standpoint do you have for Vic Beasley this year? Well, Maybe as a rookie. Yeah, you know, it, it is hard to say. You know, I'm extremely impressed by what he's done the past couple years at Clemson. And then seeing the weight that he put on uh, before the combine and then the numbers he put up in the combine were just so extremely impressive. I would say that it's interesting, you know, if you think about the Clemson defensive ends, the highly touted ones we've had drafted in the past several years and what they've, how they've translated to the NFL, we haven't seen a lot of impact. Sure, certainly some hype. Yeah, a lot of hype, not a lot of impact. So, you know, he's kind of a different type of player than those guys. So it will be interesting to see what he can come out and do. You know, we, we, we saw his ability. We all know what he's capable of. He's... I think he has great quickness and uh, and speed and and a great instinct to find the football. So it, it's it's hard to say. It's it, how how these things translate to the next level because you're playing against top talent. I mean, it's all these guys coming to melting pots. So. The biggest concern for Vic Vic Beasley though isn't his necessarily his talent or even his work work ethic. It's what position does he play? And I and I think. I get a little upset at Thomas Shea sometimes because he won't put Vic Beasley a little bit higher in his rankings, but I think it's it has nothing to do with his ability, his, his, his physical, you know, tools. I think it has to do with what position does he play, and it really it's outside linebacker, and it's going to be okay in coverage, and we don't know that yet, and that's where the risk is, and that's why he's not a top ten pick, at least by Todd McShay's book, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I would, if I were an objective onlooker, I would probably say he's, I would take him, you know, if I'm if I'm an NFL GM. I might not take him in the top ten that for that reason. I want a guy that I know what position he can play. I know what kind of impact he can have. Um, at the same time, he does have the physical tools to be unbelievable, like to be an all-pro type guy. Yeah, and I think the often when we're talking about a guy from our school, the thought is, yes, you know, if he does go top ten, that's that's tremendous. It's it's good for the brand of Clemson football. Certainly good for the player from a contract standpoint. Um, but then you think about the, the the team that he's going to at that at that stage. Should he drop back a bit, you know, maybe he can sign on in Houston, playing alongside a J.J. Watt. Let's say Clowney gets healthy in a couple of seasons and comes in and makes an impact. You know, to immediately plug into a defense that, you know, for the most part is the strength of that team, could be a great learning experience for Vic Beasley. Uh, Whereas if he goes, let's say, to Oakland, maybe gets dropped a bit earlier, drafted a bit earlier, you know, is he sort of, and you could could ponder if if this happened with, Daquan Bowers, you know, going to Tampa Bay for, you know, I think he's probably on his third head coach at this point. Um, what does that that really do to a player's development? Um, so I'm not saying let's let's let all the Clemson guys, you know, get underdrafted and, and fade down, you know, the draft board to Seattle and New England, but at the same time, you know, maybe not cracking that top ten, you go to a contender. That matters, and it matters. It seems like it matters more in, in the NBA. Where like it, tend, it seems like franchises just tend to that are down, they tend to stay down. And the NFL though, you can really pick yourself up from like the ground floor. Sure. It's at, a parody the for the Seahawks. Yeah, the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl like in the mid two thousands. They hit the bottom. They hit you know they hit rock bottom. And now they're back up. So and it happens all the time with teams. So I don't think it's as big of a concern. But it, you're right. 
Um, I think it's I think it's more about scheme scheme and think of, like you mentioned the the Texans. What if what if Vic goes there and plays behind you know JJ Watt and Javon Clowney, and they can just it's kind of a similar effect to what happened to our defensive line this year in the way that Stephon Anthony just kind of stood back and you know kind of did what he had to do. He, yeah, you know, played his down. role, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, I guess with all that said, yeah, you're right. I guess it has more to do with scheme. I wouldn't just say the actual the team or the coaches, sure. but but that's a good point. Um, in any event, it looks like um, the ESPN insider boards have uh, Vic Beasley slated in at the sixth best offensive linebacker prospect, whatever that means. Um, so certainly a lot of eyes on him coming out next week. Um, you mentioned Stephon Anthony. I think um, you know he'll probably be the second Tiger to go off the board. Um, unless teams really do take a look at one of the two of Grady Jarrett or later on Corey Crawford. Um, but seems like, uh, Cody, you've been looking at Stefan Anthony over time. And um, what was your takeaway maybe of, of his last season at Clemson? Um, do you feel like you know, just evaluating that would, would give maybe a GM or, or their team a, a valid sense of kind of what he could bring to the table? Yeah, his last season at Clemson, his tackles went down dramatically. I think he was actually below 100 tackles. I'm not looking at the numbers and frankly don't really care that much because I think he almost like his tackles were almost cut in half. And that had so much to do. That was a byproduct of the system that we were in of how good Grady Jarrett and Vic Beasley were. And yep. Corey Crawford, let me throw and, and all those guys. I don't want to name them all, but yeah. So he, if you look at him in the draft or the combine, he was amazing. He was so, like, he's so fast. And I feel like ESPN, and that's our, whether you want to admit it or not, that's your main main uh, medium for news, for sports news. And you don't get as much hype for a guy like Stephon Anthony, but he he is unbelievably talented, and he could be the guy that we look to in 10 years, and he's playing with the Packers for all the, for 10, has a 10-year career, and uh, he's our best guy. And, you know, it I don't think it would surprise us at all. And, and it, you know, in addition to that, Grady Jarrett and Vic Beasley, I think I think we all have a soft spot in our heart for, like, as comes advanced for this, this most recent defense. And just because we like them so much and we know that I think of those three, they have a chance to be really good NFL players for a long time. Well, they were the number one defense in the country. And they weren't just number one against the ACC. I mean, they were number one against the likes of, you know, Oklahoma, South Carolina, teams outside of the ACC. Uh, Georgia, they didn't have their best game ever, but that was more a byproduct of the offense not being able to stay on the field. So they turned that around into the number one defense in the country. So, and, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of your drops in uh, Stephon Anthony's tackles are clearly probably on the defensive line. Nobody was getting into the, into the second level of the defense. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I think Stephon Anthony, I think the thing that we miss out on, and you can't account for this just like you can't account for injuries, it's personality, attitude, work ethic. And Stephon Anthony had always had a great attitude. He was a guy in his sophomore year, and I'll, I'll probably tell this over and over on this podcast. He got benched, and, and Spencer Shuey stepped in. And you know how many guys that are 20 years old? And, I mean, hell, when I was 20 years old, if this would happen to me, it would have hurt my ego so bad I wouldn't have been able to recover. But that's what happened to him. He was a five-star guy. He came in. He wasn't very good his freshman year. sophomore year, he got benched, and then Spencer Shuey came in. Well, he, he actually took that as, like, a challenge. And then from his junior and senior year, he was played at an all-American level. Even though that the, the you know some of the national pundits missed out, you know missed on his performance. But 
but that's how good he was. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, his performance in terms of numbers in his senior year were absolutely a, a byproduct of, of the system, and I think he's going to have a great NFL career, injuries aside, and that's a guy we're going to be watching for years to come. We don't want, we can't put him on our fantasy teams, but he's a guy we're going to be watching. Yeah, just kind of looking at um, these names, rehashing kind of the the type of really career and definitely year last year they had. It just uh, makes you lament the fact that these four are going to move on from our defense. Um, must be definitely the best class we've had um, coming out of the the front seven and definitely the line. You know, in Clemson history from a football standpoint. Um, I, you know, I, we may not have as prolific a combined group, you know, ultimate draft result as maybe some of the lines you see coming out of Bama, LSU, um, over some recent years. But um, certainly, I think from a playmaker and a, an ability standpoint, um, we can get any number of these guys, you know, on rosters starting in, within you know one to two years in the league. Um, definitely, there are those teams out there as well um, that, you know, need those pass rushers, need that, need to fill a lot of depth. And maybe that's where, you know, potentially on the end position, Corey Crawford could go go to a Seattle and add a, a good amount of depth into their rotation. You know, they have, they have a number of draft picks later in the draft. So um, hopefully we see him come off the board and land somewhere uh, where he can make an impact. Maybe on to some unexpected news related to uh, the draft. Um, Clemson point guard Rod Hall actually put on a workout this week for NFL scouts from six teams. Um, looks like he did a, a wide receiver workout. Um, Ben, any thoughts on on Rod Hall trying out for um, NFL consideration? Yeah, I mean it's unexpected from a sense that you know it came out of left field. You know we, there was no um, chatter about this leading up to it, but you know when you look at the way he played basketball and and the strength that he had, and then knowing that he was a wide receiver in high school, uh, you know he clearly has a lot of athletic ability and he has the frame for it. So, yeah, very interesting to hear the news today. Really excited for Rod Hall. He seems like a great guy. He's been a great representative of our school. And, you know, really interesting where this story goes. Uh, we hear that he worked out at the wide receiver, doing some wide receiver drills. Um, probably maybe see him more as a defensive back, uh, just because, you know, clearly he wouldn't be able to crack our wide receiver cores uh, uh, for the Clemson football team, sure. Well, surely pretty you know, good talent there recently. Yeah, exactly. But two or three years ago, it, we could have used some help at the defensive back position. So you know that yeah, this kind of unexpected news for sure. But really interested where this story goes and see how he does. Absolutely. Um, just doing a little bit of draft research generally as as a fan of pro football. Um, just understanding the really the need right now for depth at defensive back and cornerback. Um, I do think. You know, potentially that might be where teams are considering him, uh, but we'll see. I hope some of the footage of his uh, his workout day comes available. We could take a look at what he had. Um, kind of, you know, could could have been a missed opportunity to get him in onto the football roster, but that's certainly um, a two two sport combination that you you never see uh, with overlapping seasons and such. But could be cool. Could be could be interesting to see Rod potentially get picked up, maybe undrafted or even drafted. Uh, we'll see. Um, maybe la- closing thoughts for this podcast today um, before we look ahead to next week um, and we'll break down some of the results of the draft. Um, let's shift gears, though. Um, it's, it's April coming into the um, really prime moments of the college baseball season. Um, in yesteryear, that was a time of celebration for Clemson, but certainly now um, isn't really the case. 
guys, Jack Leggett, what do we think? What do we think about our baseball team so far this year? And we, I know we touched on in a previous podcast, Coach Leggett's um, tenure at Clemson and, and more importantly, his future prospects. So where are we? Yeah, and like you said, we did touch on it and a few weeks ago. Uh, it was my opinion that it's definitely Jack Leggett's time to go and that perhaps we should just be, you know, let that be known now. You know, looking at how we've done since then, we've won six out of our last eight games, and obviously, you know, that's a and part of that was a five-game win streak, and that's great. Uh, but I will point out that those wins have come against Boston College, uh, Duke, Gardner Webb, and Western Carolina. All teams we should clearly beat. Uh, Duke is sitting at the bottom of the coastal division in the ACC. Uh, Boston College is second from last uh, in the Atlantic Division, the ACC. So these aren't groundbreaking wins. These are teams that everybody should beat. And then Gardner-Webb and I guess who else was it? Um, Western Carolina, you know, again, those are teams we should beat. And we, I mean, the winning streak has been nice. You know, that puts us up to third in the Atlantic Division. But we're also one and four against the Big South this year, which would put us tied for last in that conference. Hmm. So it's kind of a smokescreen, I think, that these recent wins, we haven't beat anybody great. You know, we lost to Georgia the other night. So we'll see how we finish out the season. We have uh, a bit of a tougher ACC schedule ahead. We have Georgia Tech, who's in the middle of their division. Then we have Louisville, this is the best team in the ACC, and Florida State, who's always a powerhouse. Right. So let's let's go through really the meat of our conference schedule that we have remaining here, see how we do, and really that's going to determine Jack Leggett's fate. I think the only thing right now that is can validate bringing him back is if we actually make it to Omaha. Honestly, I don't see that happening. And it's not that I don't want it to happen. I, you know, I wish all the best for him and Clemson baseball, but I'm just fearing we're at a point where Jack Leggett baseball has become Tommy Belton football. Good point. So we started negative. Let's end negative. So... Yeah, if, if he does make it to Omaha, we'll keep him, but if he doesn't... Yeah, I don't think a mediocre showing, like even just making the tournament, uh, going to somebody else's regional and losing, that I don't think that counts for anything anymore. Well, and that's not really the, the bar that he himself has set exactly. for our expectations. Exactly. Um, and, and we, yeah. you know, for when was the last time we talked about College World Series? 2010? Yep. Yeah, and it's it's been on a downward slide from there. So, you know, he's he's had his chances and given the opportunity to turn the team around. Like like we said before, a couple down years here and there are fine, but we're starting to see the same uh, things happen over and over again. So at some point, you have to pull the trigger and you have to make a change, and unfortunately, I think that time is now. But let's see how this, the season finishes up. Yep, we can touch... Touch base on this in a future podcast. Um, guys, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, definitely please check out our website, clemsonpodcast.com. You can check out our archive of recordings, uh, as well as our Facebook page. Uh, just Clemson Podcast should be able to find us. We appreciate all of your feedback to date, and we'll continue to, um, you know, hopefully dazzle you with uh, Clemson insight and some of our takes on goings on on the Clemson Tiger football team and the rest of our sports. Thank you very much. Go Tigers.